Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome back to the Have We Made It Yet podcast. It's the podcast where you... Sorry, I, I, just, went in, I just went into my sleep with Josh mode for a second there. Because I, I, I usually say it's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. That's not this podcast. Um, it's, the Have we, it's the Have We Made It Yet podcast. It's the podcast where two asian guys uh talk about the process of making it for them uh and we also have guests on as well also creatives in their own fields and they also talk about their process for making it what drives them uh and their journey so far um as of course my name is i'm one of their co-hosts my name is the comedian josh yang and i'm the actor lucas ng Yes, yes, he is. And off the top, we always like to ask each other the question, the name of our podcast, you know, have you made it yet? So Lucas, have you made it yet? Hell no. Hell no. Um, but I had my first audition in a span of like two and a half weeks. Yes. And um, last episode, which will be premiering today, actually, mm-hmm. um, I was saying how that was actually like kind of a... Um, emotional uh took an emotional toll on me actually a little bit and then once i got that audition call i'm like it doesn't really raise my spirits that much higher so i realized i had a breakthrough it's actually not the auditions or the lack of auditions that's making me feel down Mm. it's something else oh and on a further point though i think i'm doing something like better for myself i started therapy oh yeah nice yeah. Congratulations. Oh, oh, thank you. Sorry, do you, is that, is that the proper response to, wait, no, is that the, <laughs> no not at all. It just sounds so Is weird. that the proper response? I don't know. I feel like anything that's, you know, kind of positive, you, you just congratulate them. I mean, you're on a journey to self-reflection and yeah. dealing with your, your own issues. You know, mental health is very important these days. I mean, uh-huh. they've al- it's always been important, but now it's even more important. Yes. So thank you for your congratulations. Um, I just had my first session last Friday and I'm going to continue it. And I think it's going to help me and also not just my craft, but also just my communication with my girlfriend, with you and just with so many other people too. So I encourage anyone who wants to do it to do it if you have the means to. Yeah. It's also, it's a, I mean, it's a brave thing to do. It's tough to really put yourself out there in such an intimate kind of one-on-one setting. I feel like if I were to go into a therapy session, I would put the therapist to sleep because I would, I would just drone on and on and then they would just, they would just doze off. So 
But Mr. soon, I don't know, maybe in the future, I don't know. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Josh Yang. Yes. Have you made it yet? Oh, you know what? Fun, um, fun fact, in the mail, I got something. It was a letter. I opened it up. It said, hey, Josh, you've made it. <sighs> Anyways, that's, that's how I hope, you know, that you that works out. I hope that's that what it is what it's like. But no, no, I did not get that mail. I didn't get that Hogwarts letter in the mail. So there I didn't I didn't make it. No. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you had like some aspiring story or, or at least an update on the upticks of your nope. weekly downloads. Nope, nothing's nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. Everything's kind of the smooth, you know, just going as as is. Yeah, nothing to report. Smooth jazz like your voice. Mm. ZKNW, smooth jazz. Anyways. Jazz. Anyways. All right. Josh. Yes. Our guest today. Oh, yes. So I first met him uh, when I was working at TIFF. And it was actually like an incredibly fun festival to work at. Um, hopefully they'll do something this year. But 2019 was a great year for movies and also a great year for like connections being made. And that's where I met our next guest here. Um, so we chatted and we became quick friends as we connected over the fact that we were both aspiring actors in Toronto. It's, it's a pretty close-knit community. It might feel really lonely, but at the same time, like there's a bunch of aspiring people here. And it's really empowering to be around like-minded people, as I'm sure when you're like talking with different comedians. It's really encouraging, right, Josh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, dude. Um, so it's been amazing to see his growth. I first saw him in the Little Caesars commercial late last year to earlier this year even. Nice. And the man had lines. Oof. I... I know for, for a lot of people, it might not mean a lot to say like a one-liner or two-liners even, yeah. but there is a big decision, distinction between SOC commercial, which means silent on-camera commercials, mm. and, uh, and commercials that have lines. And this man had lines. Not only did he have one line, he had two. Oh, oh that, that is like... That is like finding an oasis in a desert of artistic yeah. no words. Oh, God, I so know. Bad. I know. Anyways. <clears throat> so that just means like the crew not only trusted him to say those lines, but his like audition tape, or at least in the audition, like he, he blew some people away because, you know, like I get a lot of commercial auditions for silent on camera stuff. And it's just me like reacting to things or me like eating things. It's just so weird. And like, yeah. But I mean, like, the man had lines. So not only was he in that commercial, but he was most recently inducted into the EDA Foundation. That supports ethnically diverse artists in Canada. Mm. That foundation is actually founded by 2019's Aladdin star, Mina Masood, who is a huge local star that has now international fame all over the place. And yes. our next guest here is in part of his foundation. So please give it up for Ganesh Thava. Yeah. Hey. hey. What's up, bro? Oh, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, man. And Josh's words, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Congra congratulations. My words. I mean, people use congratulations. <laughs> As we start with every podcast, Ganesh, have you made it yet? Oh. 
That's a, that's a hard hitting question. Uh, have I made it? Um, no, <laughs> no, I have not made it, okay. but, uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever like have made it. Cause I feel like there's always that like better goal. Right. Cause, uh, like you're saying, there's so many like actors out there who would love like, Oh, I wish I got that one line commercial. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I have it. I got it. Great. Uh, but it's like, what's the next thing. Right. Uh, so no, I have not made it. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, we'll come back. We'll come back to this question later on in the, uh, in the podcast, but when you were first setting out into this journey of acting and being on film and TV and everything, what were, what was your major goal? What was the, what was the it in making it that you were striving for? Hmm. I think for me, I think growing up as a person of color, that, that, that had a huge effect on me even thinking uh-huh. of myself as an artist. And I did it for the longest time. Like I knew I was artsy, but uh, just not seeing it made it hard for me to see myself as somebody in the industry. Yeah. Uh, it was hard for my parents to support me whenever I brought that mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So I, so now as like an adult, when I'm discovering myself in this career, it is to be able to see myself in sort of a leading role beyond any sort of like stereotypical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that then I would have made it. Cause then I would be like, okay, like this is an actual accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I hear that. I hear that. Um, I, I was planning on asking this later on, but, but you briefly touched upon it already. Uh, when you first told your folks about you wanting to pursue uh, and a career, not just not just a job or something, a career in show business. How did they first take it? Yeah, that it had to be meticulously done. Like it's <laughs> a, if you need a strategy for it, it's uh-huh. not just like oh, like uh, I'm switching from like life side to like biochemistry. It's not like that kind of conversation. It's it's a very uh, yeah. I was scared for uh, a lot of reasons. Um, uh-huh. The first one being like, I did community theater in school, in like high school. And that was just not something my parents like supported even back then. They were just like, why are you wasting your time? Like Uh. you're spending like three hours every other day for like six months. Like, why are you doing this? Like, I don't get the point. (laughs) Uh, So knowing their perspective on the arts as as like a, not a necessity to life. um, When I wanted to apply to school for theater, uh, getting to that conversation to be like, hey, I'm not becoming a doctor. I'm interested in theater. Um, that, was a hard, that was a hard conversation to have. I, I, I tried to have it, but I didn't have the vocabulary at that age to have it. Mm-hmm. So the middle ground was like, okay, great. So I, I, I know I don't want to be a doctor, but I know you don't want me to be an actor. So mm-hmm. middle ground led to marketing. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> and so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, whatever, like, yeah, well, I'll get into the journey and stuff later. But when I sort of revisited the idea of being an actor two and a half years ago, um, I didn't really tell them. I, I mean, when you're older, you have more autonomy, you drive yourself to classes, you do your own thing. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. You just do your own thing. And then when I started getting commercial bookings is when I had like the strategy to tell them, because I was like, okay, listen, like if I got theater gigs, those sometimes don't even pay you. And if they do pay you, it's like $100 for like six weeks of work. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Oh. Yeah, like when you do like non-union theater people who don't like pay you equity rates, 
uh-huh. they could essentially pay you like so little, it doesn't make sense. Um, but with commercials, I mean, you know how much commercials pay. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I was like, hey, listen, so like, I'm like an actor and like, I also make money. Like, <laughs> oh, this like makes practical sense. Uh-huh. So, so when I told them that, they were like, okay, you know what? Like people are booking you, you're making money. So why not? <laughs> and yeah, that's how I did that. Isn't that the funniest thing for like, for, for I guess, just guess uh, parents that come from an immigrant background and everything. It's unless you make money, it is not worthwhile. And that's so funny that you have to convince your parents that it's a worthwhile because it just makes money and not because it yeah. fulfills you. <laughs> I'm, I mean, also, I think it's there to a certain degree as well, like immigrant parents coming to uh, like not Western countries. It's, I think it's still a mentality of money is kind of how you solve all of a lot of your problems, mm-hmm. like stability wise. Like if you have money, then you don't have to deal with certain things. And like, then the focus is going to be on the high paying jobs and not the other. So I, in the end, I, I'm starting to realize it's not even necessarily because they have a certain affinity to doctor or lawyer. It's just that the paycheck is the highest. If you can show them that whatever job you take is making money, then all of the, all of those issues about like the identity of a doctor or lawyer is kind of gone. That's all they really care about is like, as long as you make money and you're able to live, then that solves a lot of the problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this conversation recently with somebody about like, is it that like, like like brown or asian parents like yeah. don't like the arts or is it like something else and i've came to the complete conclusion that it's like our parents would be totally cool with us pursuing the arts if it wasn't for capitalism and white supremacy like if those two things didn't exist like like that's why so many like you know western like caucasian folks can pursue the arts because they've had so much like generational growth here that they have the freedom <laughs> financial freedom to explore and be creative and find like spiritual enlightenment and stuff. But, you know, back home because of colonization, a lot of burden has been put on our society that it stifled our growth to get to that level of like free thinking, to be able to think beyond just like survival needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then as immigrants, it's like the same thing over here. Now you're just trying to survive. Uh, So I totally feel for them. Like I wasn't like, you guys are terrible people. Uh, It was just like, telling them it was just a matter of like, I mean, money was obviously a way to like sell it to them, but it was also like a happiness kind of quotient, like being like, listen, I know how hard life's been for you as immigrants trying to make it work. And I think one of your goals was for me to be happy. Hmm. And I'm telling Hmm. you right now, if I did this advertising agency job where I work, you know, eight to 6 PM and, every day and I don't have a social life and I don't feel a purpose and I'm waiting for that 2% raise, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be happy. Great. So, yeah. Damn. Um, so did you ever work that marketing job? I did. I did. Oh, I did. For how long? Uh, so, so I got this job right out of school. Like they hired me a year before graduation. So uh-huh. I just coasted my last year and then, um, yeah. And which, which was a good thing. Cause I, that gave me the mental freedom to start thinking about other stuff. Okay. I was very grateful that I got the job a year ahead. So I don't have to be like, you know, stressing out like right before grad to be like applying for all these jobs. Uh Uh, So it gave me the mental freedom to think about stuff. So I already had that, like those thoughts of like, 
what do I really want to accomplish in life floating in my head? And then I went into this job in September uh, after graduating. And, you know, that, that once that's in your mind of like what could be, it's hard to accept the reality oh, you're in. So true, man. So you can true. feel it. You know oh, yeah. it. <laughs> um, so then, yeah. So like the whole time I was there, there was just this bug in my head just being yeah. like, ah, ah, you're wasting your time. Ah, this project really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then, yeah. And so four months in, I already started looking for jobs that allowed me some creative freedom. And then mm-hmm. six months after I left. Awesome. Um, no, no, you, you hit the nail though. Like I remember one of my last jobs that I had before I like set out on this path of film school and also going into acting. I was working at, we'll just call it a studio and um, terrible working hours, really long grinding, grinding pace and everything. And I just remembered as I was walking into work early one morning, it just kept on having this voice in my head just saying, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. And it kept on nodding at me. And I'm like, man, if my internal instincts are just telling me the complete opposite of where my body is going, then I have to make a change. Otherwise, something has to give. And I'm sure like you also have that same drive in you to, to take your life into a different path because you felt like it wasn't going into a direction you wanted to go to. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a, it's a, it's not a feeling only artists have for sure. Like yeah. I'm the youngest of eight kids, um, and my wow. dad. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe that's why I crave so much attention and want to be in the spotlight. I don't know. That's a question for my therapist. Uh, <laughs> but um, like, my dad was an entrepreneur, and like, he like hustled and somehow he did what he did and raised eight kids. Like, wow as an immigrant, I have no idea. Like I have no idea. And I don't think I could ever do what he did. I it's, but that inspired all of us and made all of us think like we're beyond just like the nine to five realm. So all my siblings, most of them have this like entrepreneurial like bug. And it's so hard to live life the mundane nine to five way when you know there's another way to live life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's not just artists. And that's why like, yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs fail, but, um, that's the only way like to take that risk and do that thing is the only way to like have those few people who succeed. It's yeah. 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 That's crazy for, um, for you then as well, in terms of like the, the act of acting or the theater environment, like what is it about that that really captured your imagination and like drives you to pursue it instead of, you know, nine to five marketing job? Like what, what element of it is, that is the thing that you you think is like I can't do anything else I have to do this yeah um it it gives me a voice I'll 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 tell you a story a small story um I I immigrated here when I was uh seven or eight um and all through elementary school I was like the quiet shy kid like I just I was I was very like like out of shape and I was I had an accent I barely knew English just so many things just like stifled my confidence growing up um, and then I graduated high elementary school and went to high school. And in grade nine, there was a school play. Um, and I went to a school, like I grew up in Scarborough and I moved to Markham and I knew nobody in Markham. So I didn't have any like friends from elementary school. Like I had like zero friends. Um, so I was, I was, I was really shy. I was in my, I had no like friends. I was just all around, just like feeling insignificant and feeling like, I had no purpose uh, and nobody cared about me or what I had to offer. Um, And then in grade nine, there was a call for Romeo and Juliet. Um, 
school play. And I was like, okay, cool. And I've never done any acting, never did any public speaking, but I just applied and I sucked. I bombed. Like it was bad. And I had to like sing and stuff too, even though it was a musical. (laughs) (laughs) Romeo and Juliet's not a musical. It's not, but they were like, we want to just hear you. And I'm like, why are you making me do this? Um, Man. And I did it and I sucked, but I think the drama teacher or the English teacher did it actually. Hmm. He, he took like pity on me and he's like, you know what? You can do the prologue. Ooh, and nice. I was like, okay, okay. So I spent like the next year memorizing that like two paragraphs, like two households, both alike in dignity. Like <laughs> that thing is like engraved in my brain. Yeah. Um, and I did, and that's the only thing I had. And that was the only like thing I had going for me in grade nine, like only thing to like make me happy, feel like I had a purpose. Mm. And I got on that stage opening night. I was wearing this ugly green sweater um, in our cafeteria. There were 200 random, like majority white people and the lights were all on me. And I was saying some random Shakespeare shit, but people were listening to me. And I don't know that feeling just, I I, I love that feeling. And I rarely got to feel it afterwards. And so ever since then, I've just been craving that feeling of being heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's powerful, man. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Dude, Josh, like I'm sure you kind of have that kind of same feeling when you're up on stage too. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the more I think about it, the more it's like, what is that thing that <clears throat> I'm wondering like if it ends up being kind of like a primal element, because when it comes to like human communication, I, f- I find that if somebody is able to stand out and it be able to command the attention of a crowd, just, just naturally people will just pay attention and then see that person in a different light. Like they'll follow that as like a leadership element. And like to a certain degree, a lot of people, if you capture their attention, there's like the power of like controlling their life. Well, not controlling their lives, but like controlling their perspective, their thoughts, their minds in that one moment to hear what you have to say. And there's a certain element of that kind of power that I think will drive people um, just in a way that I don't think other things can do. There's just something innate. I think about all of us when it comes to like being able to do something that takes control over like a situation or a moment in time that I I think once you get it, you get a feel of that and you realize it's possible. (laughs) I mean, it's a, I feel like it corrupts you. Power is corrupting. So it's like, if you get a little taste of it, it's like, oh, you want more of it. And it's just a driving factor. Am I sounding too much like a dictator right now? Does that? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I, I I get what you're saying. I think maybe yeah, like maybe the the, the vocabulary is like mm, okay, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Maybe, maybe I just want to invade a small Eastern European country. I maybe, don't know. maybe you do, and I mean, who? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I think I I truly believe that like everybody on this planet has like a purpose and like a unique. This, this is my entrepreneurship training at Ryerson, like a, like a unique value proposition. Like they have something to offer. And what like hurts me the most sometimes is like that, how unfortunate our education system is and mm-hmm. doesn't allow people to discover it. Mm-hmm. It took me like six years after graduating high school to be like, oh yeah, this is what I need to be doing. 
if I had the support systems or the, the, the pedagogy around me to be like, no, these are the things that you're excelling at. This makes you happy, Ganesh. Like grade nine, this, what did you like about grade nine? Oh, that one moment on stage. Great. Let's spend the next three years doing it. But nah, we're going to ruin your life and teach you freaking damn world yeah. religion. And I'm like, I, I'm not even like, <sighs> anyways. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's not only, I think education is definitely a huge part of it, but additionally, like how our economy is, is set up. You know, mm-hmm. like if our economies are set up where you, you, you churn in as a cog in the machine and like there's so many different types of like menial work that like you have to do and like it doesn't necessarily give you fulfillment. There's you don't have as many options. You don't have the financial freedom to try things uh, that that can definitely yeah. limit as well what you can do. I mean, there's like there's different talks about like, say, Andrew Yang's uh, universal basic income that could help people escape mm-hmm the different kinds of streams of life and work that they're, they may be subject to. But additionally, like I think Nordic countries do a very good job opening up their education systems. I think some of them, maybe Sweden also has this thing where like, if you want to take a sabbatical, like nine months or 12 months to pursue uh, like a business of your own, like you're able to do that. And the government helps businesses like manage that kind of entrepreneurial element. It's like those, if the economy allows us all to do things that we're more passionate about you know that would be a huge boon for like quality of life and all that kind of stuff yeah and and europe europe's got it figured out like i mean they're not great on on some some things but in the arts and like prioritizing like wellness of life like when we if i when i talk about my producing stuff if i ever get there today uh, i'll talk about why i love europe so much (laughs) Awesome. Um, I was going through your Instagram and I know that like monologue work is very important to you. So what was that? Uh, monologue work. Monologue, monologue. Yeah. 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 Um, so I just want to go into, cause I think it's like kind of beneficial for actors because you know, when you get like a, into a juicy monologue, that's what actors crave, you know, like that's your moment, moment of attention for about one or two minutes. Um, so first off, like what do you look for when you're selecting monologues? Uh, the key is mystery. Ooh, it needs to be yeah. mysterious. Like, okay. like I, um, I've been, I've been doing some writing now. Like I wrote a play over quarantine. Um, <clears throat> I'm working on a feature script and yes. when you start writing, you'll start, it'll, it'll, it'll support your acting so much mm-hmm. because you realize that like writing mm-hmm. is not like the writing in front of you. Isn't just words. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't. And there's so many, so much mystery. And a good writer has mystery all over the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I read a monologue that I'm trying to select, I'm trying to look at like, why would you say that? These words don't make sense together. Mm-hmm. Or like, I wouldn't have reacted like that. Why did this person react like that? Like all those things uh, is the, the main thing I look for because that intrigues me to like dig deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I was rewatching your American Beauty one. Um, talking about like the bag and basically all that stuff and you had a really good rendition of it so when you were going through that lens of mystery uh what which parts or which which lines specifically were you referring to when you were talking about like mystery in the monologue yeah uh definitely like the beginning of it like because it it was i mean it was there the whole time (laughs) but the like the beginning like right off the bat to be like you know like the time um the moment before it like snows and you know like who talks about that stuff? Mm-hmm. And, and you're with like this person and that's what you're talking about. 
and that right off the bat, I was just like, why? Like something is off with this person. Why are you talking about this? Yeah. And then it goes deeper, right? And then like the next line's like, uh, I don't even remember anymore, but like they start talking about the actual bag and like, <laughs> oh, I feel like it's dancing with me. And, and I'm just like, what is going on in this person's life that you're out there thinking that this bag, people don't even like stop to look at like the, the, the street lights sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like people out here like walking out to the streets, but this man's looking at plastic bags uh so it's that kind of stuff because it's like what is it what is it about it that's abnormal because normalcy is boring yeah yeah yeah. Uh, what i find for a lot of flaws for different actors especially beginner ones is that they want monologues that they can scream in you know i want an angry one so to show my range and character but i find like like your take that you said mystery mystery has so many different layers that you can go in either a a either a, like a soft approach to that mystery, or you can go to a, um, a more intense approach to that mystery too. And I think many actors forget about their, their range in terms of one feeling as opposed to just raising their voice. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was there and I think I still am there so many times because it's, it's an instinct, right? Um, like I, I, did, I only did theater growing up. And then so to go into my first film class, Oh man, it was embarrassing. Like I went home crying that night oh, with like anxiety, like the first night because he had told me to prepare this monologue. Um, and it was the monologue from Glengarry Glenn Ross. I don't know if you know it, but it's like coffees for closers only. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's a really long monologue and I'm out here doing it and I'm just being like so dramatic. Like, the camera couldn't even catch it. It was just moving back because I'm like walking around the room. Like, no, no, you don't talk to me like that. And I'm just like, yeah. And the guy's just like, dude, what the hell was that? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not on stage, you're on camera. This is a whole other, like, beast. Um, and so that's like, that's like one, it's like those things you just think about because you just don't have the vocabulary. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any actor is like lesser or like not great because they do those things. I think it's just a matter of vocabulary and being like, oh, this is why I'm doing that because I didn't know that these are the techniques to review a script. Mm. And then you learn it. Like um, Michael Shirtliff's audition, it's back. Classic. Right? And um, oh, hey, you literally hey, hey. hey. Oh, no. Oh, you're oh, a comedian. We don't have books, unfortunately. Um, do you, you don't have comedy books? No, not really. No? I mean, unless it's like comedy books written by comedians just talking about their experiences. But comedy is, is it's kind of hard to learn from a book to a certain degree. Like you can learn the writing process, but like in terms of not only just the, the sensibility or the timing or like the performance element of it, it's, it's really hard to completely teach it. If, if anything, like, I feel like as actors and acting, you have to be malleable enough to be molded into whatever the character is. So like you can teach strategies on how to, how to do that. But like being a comedian is so like distinct in how you come up with the comedy. So innate to how you should be as a, like as a person that like it's every comedian style, if they get to a, a professional level, should be unique and it should be different from every other comedian style. So it's, it's kind of, it's hard to teach in a book. Like you could read as much as you want, but it really is just trial and error. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of a 
ethereal in that way. Wow. I mean, yeah, because I, I, I studied improv at Second City and like with improv, you, you have technique, but it's really just the rules to play with each other. Like yeah. it's, it's, but like, I guess you're right. Like you don't have a script because in acting, you don't learn how to act. You learn how to like dissect scripts. So, you mm-hmm. know, it gives you everything you need to act. Um, I guess with comedy, you don't really have a script. You, you're, you're just you. And then you write stuff about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like just the stand up in its purest form is is really like it's like once you get to a professional level, it's almost like a battle with the audience as well. Like every audience is going to be a little different. You can go in with your material as best prepared as possible. You also got to be on your feet to be able to handle like whatever the audience is, however the audience's reactions are. You know, if one joke hits, one joke doesn't hit, you got to be able to you know, adapt and see what works, what doesn't work. It's like a constant battle on stage. And like for improv, like there's definitely structure in it where like you can teach um, how to focus, how to see openings, how to like, you know, like set up your additional partners and that kind of stuff. So there, there's like training and experience there that you can kind of do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's still, it's just, it's still the improv actor is innate ability to be able to recognize and do all of that as well. Mm-hmm. So like you can only teach so much is what I've learned. Um, you can teach the basics, the writing structure of that, but when it comes down to creativity and performing and, and the mentality of it, it's like, it's so hard to teach because you can't teach somebody else's style to them. They have to figure it out themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll just wrap up my audition thought because I feel like I left it hanging. But what I was going to say was, sorry, uh, there's like the 12 pillars or whatever, or the nine pillars, I forget. But there's an, an extra pillar that's like unspoken of. Um, I genuinely forget how many pillars there are. Uh, it might be 12 or nine. But I believe it's 12. And then there's yeah. a 13th. Yeah, it's 12. It's 12. 12. 12 yeah, okay, great, yeah. great, great. Guidepost, there you go. Uh, there's a 13th one that uh, a different coach told me that like, is what's floating around and if they were still around they would have written about it um which is mystery which is mystery which um um sorry not mystery mich- mischievousness mischievousness uh oh, i don't know mischievousness a, mischievousness yeah which is like about mystery about being like playful about just like curious about what the hell and being someone who provokes curiosity um, yeah 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 anyways yeah awesome I will add that into the <laughs> Ray, there you go. <laughs> um, let, let's, let's touch on this, because this is a pretty big point in your career right now. Um, getting accepted into the EDA Foundation, EDA Foundation there. Can you tell us the process of that and, and how that you, you think will benefit your career and everything like that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad these things kind of exist. And... Um, yeah, like I'm just, I'm just, uh, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy about it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh man, you're still, you're still flustered from the I'm, news. It seems yeah, like. I mean, it's only been a week, and the, and, and since the week, like a lot's happening. Um, essentially, yeah, Mina Masood. Okay, so side note, um, Mina Masood and I went to high school together. Uh, yeah, we did. We Same didn't really. No, no, he was like three oh. years older than me. He was in grade yeah. twelve. I was in grade nine. We didn't really know each other except. That play I did, Romeo and Juliet, he was oh, Mercutio. Right. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like, I just did, I just did the it's weird circle. Uh-huh. Uh, I just did the prologue, and then like, I was pretty much off stage the whole time. I was just sitting there, like, reading yeah. the letter. 
uh, and he was like rocking the stage. Like this guy, like there's Romeo and there's Juliet, but there was Mercutio. Mm. Uh, he was like so playful. He had a voice and um, he like also, I didn't really know him that well, but like later on found out he was running the school's improv club and the drama teacher loved him. And when we did drama, he, she would always talk about him. Mm. Um, and so I knew of, of him. And then in 2017, when I started my agency job at the advertising firm, mm-hmm. is when the news was released that he made it as a light, he got cast as Aladdin. And that's when I initially had, uh, like, was like, okay, great, I need to do this. Like, yeah. mm. seeing him make it as a person of color was like, so, I don't know, so, it was so close to home. I was yeah. just like, why can't I? Yeah. Um, and then so anyway, and then the rest happened. And then uh, earlier this year, uh, I think it was earlier this year or maybe late last year, I saw this foundation thing he was running, followed mm-hmm. it, and I knew they were going to do stuff. And then, yeah, they had a call. Uh, mm-hmm. You had to submit your resume, your demo reel, um, write a whole bunch of stuff uh, about what you want to do, what this all means to you. Yeah. Uh, and then they do a pre-screening and then they do an interview with like the person who, um, one of their administrators, and then you have a meeting with um, uh, Ali, who's a, like a Toronto-based director, who's like okay. the co-founder or like the executive director of the foundation, nice. uh, very close with me now. Uh, and then after that, um, they're like, great, you're in. Mm-hmm. And the foundation essentially is trying to, um, I mean, it's mainly for actors, but I think they have some of the other participants are other disciplines as a comedian, there's a music producer or a dancer. Uh, and they try to pretty much give you whatever you need to get to whatever level, like the next stage you want to go in my in your career. So cool. right before I got on this meeting call with you guys, I had my first call with Mina. So no way. I was on the phone Whoa. and we we're chatting. Yeah. I was like, Oh snap. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, should I tell him that? Like I went to high school with you. Yeah. Did you? Oh, he doesn't even know. No, but he started the conversation being like, wow, man, like it's been a while. And I was like, snap, yeah. he remembers you. Pro I don't know guy. if somebody told you or whatever, but I was yeah. like, yes. Um, and I'm like, yeah, our, 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 our Catholic high school has like a bug of like creating these people, I guess. <laughs> uh, and yeah, he was just asking, about, asking me about my goals and stuff and, you know, coaches, agents, headshots, um, moving to LA. So he's really like essentially like, guiding me um, on really valuing myself as an artist, which is so hard to do. To really, really, truly think you are an actor who is worth being paid and watched. Yeah. It's a hard thing to accept. It is. I don't know. I don't know if Lucas, you want to talk about that. No, no. Cause, cause honestly, I think imposter syndrome is a huge thing that I'm constantly fighting every day. I'm sure if I can speak for all of us, I think all of us kind of have that gnawing feeling. It's like when you tell someone at a party, oh, I'm an actor. Then their first question is like, oh, what have I seen you in? And you're like, yeah. a commercial? <laughs> I can't. Exactly, right? So, so honestly, that is such a powerful thing that you just said. It's believing in yourself and also having the confidence in yourself to say, I am an artist. I am an actor. Because that is yeah. such a, once you can put a label on it, that shows you have power over it too. So yeah. And, and for like, I've been doing this for like two and a half years now, like of auditioning, of doing community theater, of doing commercials and whatever. And 
I still consider myself an aspiring actor. Like, what does that even mean? Why do we say aspiring? You're an actor. Yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So it's that kind of stuff that I was talking to him about. And he's like, dude, listen. And I told him about that, uh, my, um, my imposter syndrome, which I totally have. He's like, people with so little talent have made it in Hollywood. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure we all know that one show where there's like, why is this person really here? Right. <laughs> so... That is like talent is like definitely a part of it, but it's not like the whole thing. So mm-hmm. don't let that stop you from doing all the things in your power to get to where you need to go. So if you need to fight to get coached by this extremely amazing coach somewhere else in the world. And you're like, oh, but I'm not, I'm not a real actor. I'm not worthy of it. Like, no, just do it. Um, so he's like filling in a lot of those like emotional pieces yeah. uh, but then also they provide like resources by connecting you with whoever like casting directors um and connecting me with um supporting me through getting like new headshots and yeah like so financially networks uh mm-hmm. emotional just like well-rounded just like we're gonna boost you so mm-hmm. i'm pumped <laughs> dude you got mina in your corner man that's huge i know i know it's, oh my god i I don't know. I still, I still feel like imposter syndrome. Like when I was going to get on the call with him this, morning, this afternoon, I was like, he's going to figure me out. He's going to be like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's going to figure me out. Yeah. But yeah. nah, he was super cool and super down to earth. So. Oh my God. That's great. That's good. That's great to hear it, man. I mean, like the more, you, the more you're talking about, it, the more it feels like, yeah, the, the imposter syndrome, the, the idea of like making it, like if you've made it, then does that mean you can finally, fully own the whole actor title or not but then it's you know it's i feel like it's all so mm-hmm. fluid in how you look at it and how you approach it and like it's great to hear you you you've gotten a bit of a break and now it's it's going to help you uh propel uh, towards the, a good future yeah and two two points i'll just make uh one is he also like um, to fundraise for uh, EDA Foundation, he did a, a master class a couple weeks ago, hmm. um, hmm. and so as like a grant recipient or uh, whatever they call me, I, I got to go watch it. And one of the things he talked about is like, yeah, like, yeah, he's Aladdin, but it's it doesn't mean the the word "have you made it" is such a it's a hard thing to pinpoint. And he doesn't hmm. know if he's made it because he's still hmm. like he's still auditioning, he's still doing stuff and. Uh, representation is still an issue, you know, Uh, I'm sure there's times where he's being passed up for opportunities he's great for because of his skin color, like Mm -hmm. these things. Like, so he talked about like that kind of stuff about how, like, you know, there's no real making it because like, if you're a successful, if you have a serious lead in Toronto, you're making significantly less money than somebody doing a serious lead in, in the States. Like you can't even like, have like a proper living wage if you're like a, a reoccurring supporting character in Toronto. Like the, the salary here is so much lower than the mm-hmm. States. Um, so that's the first point about like making it. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what that means anymore. Yeah. He's really just like confused the hell out of me, which is kind of good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second point is, I think you were talking earlier about like finding validation through auditioning. Like you're like, it was like when you, when you audition, like you feel happy or that was why you're not feeling happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cool thing somebody told me that I've adopted is like uh, to set like 
your, your, your value system, like you can set your own value system and your mm-hmm. value system should be that you did the audition, not that you booked the role because doing the audition is in your control. That's mm-hmm. something you have. You have an internal locus of control. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, and you can do everything in your power to make it as amazing as you want. Getting the role has so many factors that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Mm. You can't put your value system on that, that you're just, you're going to, you're going to be depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was for like the first little while. Cause I'm like getting so many auditions and not booking any. So two Dude. thoughts. Yeah, no, that that's definitely good advice. It's good yeah. advice because you it, like, it's totally out of your control. And we've, we've talked about it a lot with other guests and we've kind of opined about it as well. Like sometimes it just because of the subjectivity of the, of the industry of, of the art form, it's like, you never know what's going to, you know, hit off what isn't going to hit off, what's going to give you your break. What mm-hmm. isn't. So it's like, you got to focus on what you can't control and make it. However you define making it in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Ganesh laying it down, man. That was powerful, bro. <laughs> Damn, man. Um, you guys good with the word association game? Yeah. 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 Let's do um, it. All right. All right. Um, you mind if I go first for this one, Josh, and then cap it Yeah, off? for sure. For sure. All right. Okay. So loosen up, Ganesh. You know, get to your okay. Zen space, you know? Yeah. Okay. Whatever word, phrase, or even like describe a picture, whatever pops into your head after. I say each word. Okay. So I have my 10 set up there. All right. Here it goes. Okay. First word. Process. Learning. Film. Entertaining. World. Wholesome. Change. It's coming. Glow. I love that TV show. (laughs) I have a poster uh, right there. <laughs> I noticed that. Oh, wow. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Uh, journey. We're on it. Nice. Pandemic. I hate it. Mm. Mina. Love that guy. Audition. More. Sorry. I, would, I was going to say, like, it's, uh, it's been a process. Uh, it, like, it's... I, it's not scary anymore is what I want to say. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not yeah. scary anymore. I, 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 no, in, in a, it, like it's, yeah, I'm, I, it's more about like me than it is about the audition. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And the last word, Ganesh. <laughs> That's me. Uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, like I've, uh, I don't know, my associate, my like sense of identity with my name, uh, is like always been very tricky because like I'm named after like a god and that's supposed to mean something, but mm-hmm. I'm like this whole other person who doesn't even identify with that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, there's always like a dichotomy when it comes to my name. I don't know how I feel about it all the time. <laughs> dichotomy, that, that's a good association. Awesome, thank you. Uh, Josh? Yeah, let's go with my uh, 10 that I've been using for a while. Uh, I would like to say it's because I want to establish so like a consistent thing you can track with each individual person, but Ooh. it's really because I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> okay, so we'll start off with the first word. Family. I love them. Pineapple. Delicious. Rain. Dark. Alone. Sad. Motivation. Nature. Mm. Kumquat. 
Come what? Come quat. Oh, come quats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sour? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Nobody knows. Uh, mountain. BC. Oh, BC. Oh, oh, wait. Are you from BC? No, you, you, you're from, from Ontario. I'm from here. I, I, I want to go, but it's so damn expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, fair, fair, fair. Tobermory. That's where it's at. <laughs> okay. Tightrope. Balancing act. Satisfied. McDonald's. Mm. Good call. That's an excellent <laughs> response. Um, and finally, ending. Beginning. Yeah, it is a it is a beginning, and the more I mean, even though this podcast is ended, it seems like you're beginning a new path. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, how, right. look at that transition. Look at that transition. Ooh. transition. Ooh. I love it. Love it. Bit of for Ganesh. Thank you so yes, much. Thank man. you. Thank you, guys. Thank you this for joining fun. us. Yeah. This is introspective. I loved it. Awesome. Uh, where can, what are your social media handles? Uh, my Insta is the only one I use. I need to get on Twitter, but I'm just not there yet. But uh, Insta handle is Ganesh.Tava, G-A-N-E-S-H dot T-H-A-V-A. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Uh, you can find me at Lucas John Ng. Last name, two letters again. NG uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. And then Josh. And for me, you can find me at, at Josh Yang Comedy across all different social medias. Uh, and, you know, if you want to listen to me read stuff till you fall asleep, you could uh, listen to the Sleep with Josh podcast. I give you a bit of a preview up the top. But, anyways, yeah, that's also out there on Spotify and everything there. Um, and also, of course, follow, like, subscribe, do everything you can possibly with the with our podcast, the uh, Have We Made It Yet podcast at HWMIY podcast across Instagram and, and everything and Facebook. Um, so, yeah, do that. And yes, that's the end of our podcast. Thank you, Ganesh, for joining us. Woo. Awesome. awesome. Thank man. you for having me. Great. All right. Have a great Perfect. week, folks. Right. See you guys next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 